Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Yanks for Coming Soccer Show. I'm Neil Blackman with Carter Krishnire. We are going to break down the first U.S. men's national team roster since the debacle in Cuba, Trinidad and Tobago. Um, obviously, at the very least, Carter, the U.S. should be playing in a playoff to go to Russia. They aren't. Um, they won't play a competitive match for 600 days. Wow. Your initial reaction to to Dave Saracen's roster for uh, European champion Portugal, they'll play Tuesday. Yeah, there's a lot lot to like here. There's some uh, things I would have done differently, and I I know you and and, and, uh, read the piece you and John and and, uh, company have produced uh, on the website. But I like the direction. I like I like the inclusion of a number of young players, and I think if you're going to keep some veteran players around uh, and, and have them mix with the young players here, you want guys that are going to add some value. I think Danny Williams is the type of player we didn't have in the hex. Uh, a right. ki- the kind of guy with some bite, some uh, an ability to kind of pick up the ball and distribute uh, from a, from a holding midfield position, but also throw in a tackle. That we're that we're missing, so I, I like uh, the inclusion of him for sure. I, I like the inclusion, I guess, of Timmy Ream. I, I th- thought that uh, Ream uh, was going to be injured. I watched the Fulham Wolves game the other day and didn't think he would be uh, able to make this camp. But uh, he's a guy that, you, if you're in a pinch and you need to play him at left back, you can play him at left back. Uh, you can play him at center back. He's uh, he's a better. Uh, ball-playing defender than most of the guys we have in the player pool. So uh, Jeff Cameron's uh, concussion issue means that Ream should be called in. And then um, uh, I I think uh, calling in Dom Dwyer and uh, Ali Bedoya both make a lot of sense to me from a tactical standpoint. I think in Bedoya you have a, a player who can shield the ball and hold the ball, which we sorely needed. Uh, in Trinidad. Now, obviously, Bedoya was on the bench and for some reason wasn't uh, wasn't played in that game. Uh, that's Bruce Arena has to answer for that for the rest of his life. Uh, but in, Dom, in the case of Dom Dwyer, he's the kind of forward. Um, now, he may not have got, been able to get you a goal once you fall behind 2-0 in that game. You don't necessarily put him on. But he's the kind of forward that if you start him from, from the beginning of a game like that, he's dropping back into midfield. He's linking up. He's giving you another guy who can hold the ball, uh, maybe spring Pulisic and, uh, and uh, out the door free. Uh, on runs or Wood, maybe if it's Wood instead of Altidore uh, or you know, whoever uh, Dwyer is in for. So I like the idea of bringing Tom Dwyer in. Uh, and then the rest of the, the squad we can talk about, the younger players. I don't, I don't like the Villafania selection, but other than that, I think I'm okay with the other 20, 21 guys that would be, <laughs> or the other 20 guys that were called in. Yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, I think I, I'm with you. I think uh, a whole lot to, sorry, there's a giant plane going overhead right now. Okay. Um, there, there's a whole lot to like in terms of uh, the direction. You know, I think the four the four teenagers is terrific. Um, 
you know, might have even been, ended up being five um, if they had decided to bring in Pulisic. Uh, we can start with kind of Christian just because I don't think that Americans will. I, my guess is he'll play in the, in the matches that the U.S. schedule in May, um, which I imagine will all be on European soil. Uh, and, you know, I would anticipate they'll play at least two matches to warm other countries up for the World Cup, maybe a third, um, just to get something out of a summer. Um, and I would imagine that, that Christian would be involved in those matches. But beyond that, I don't think that he'll play for the U.S. until the 2019 Gold Cup, really. What's the point? So that's kind of interesting. Um, and then... In terms of just, you know, Josh Sargent, I love because the idea yeah. of, of bringing him in just to get him acclimated to what the, the training environment in Europe is going to be like. And he'll get to see a big stadium, which the way Bremen are playing, he might not get to see <laughs> another environment like that for a while. Um, because I think that I think Bremen is headed for the drop. but. Which might actually be a good thing for his development because a season in Bundesliga 2 when he's 18, turning 19, he might get a lot of games and that might really harden him rather than sitting the bench in Bundesliga 1. Yeah, it really helped Bobby Wood, right? Um, so Yes, it really did. He used to case yeah, I mean, study there. You know, yeah, because there's two ways to look at that. Like if you're in a relegation scrap, which they'll be in when he shows up, he's not going to play. But if they ultimately go down that could be really good for his development because usually when you're trying to get back up, managers aren't afraid to go with young guys early on and just see what they can get. And then they use a transfer window to kind of shore up with veterans to make sure that they can get up. But um, at least that's traditionally how it works. Uh, But yeah, I mean, so that could be good. I thought, I, I think that's a really smart call. I know, I know the player I think I'm most excited to see. We'll just go there is uh, Tyler Adams because I guess he's just such a class. He's just such a class footballer. Um, you know, I don't think he's long for MLS. He can play multiple spots. Uh, you know, it's just his understanding of space for, for his age is exceptional. His understanding of when to put in a tackle and when to hold off and how to shade positionally in defense is, is phenomenal. He's a brilliant passer. I mean, the U.S. has the makings of a very special midfield combination, but and it's two teenagers, right? It's Adams and McKinney. Yeah, and McKinney, I think everybody's excited to see. Nobody is surprised to see him. I think that that was the first name we thought would be in the squad. In fact, probably would know more about this than me, but I, I believe Bruce Arena did consider calling him in for those last two qualifiers, but opted not to. The, the, the idea was to get McKinney acclimated with the teammates because the assumption was he would be on the World Cup team. Now, of course, right. there's no World Cup. Uh, but that's why he was considered. It wasn't that he was going to play a role in either game, but uh, he's a guy who was going to be a core player going forward. Um, there were right. some other interesting ones. Obviously, Cameron Carter-Vickers got called in by Jurgen Klinsmann at the end of his tenure, didn't get capped. Uh, we still have to get him an official cap, and that won't happen until the 2019 Gold Cup, so that, that has me a little bit nervous, but it seems like his commitment is to play for the United States and not to play for England, so that's, uh, that's important. Uh, yeah, important. it is. And uh, Matt Miazga, it's great to see him back in this camp, and he's having a great season in the Netherlands. Uh, you've reported about... Um, uh, tell the listeners what you've reported on, on Yeah, the so, I mean, the main thing that I, I talked to Monterey 
And the main thing was that U.S. soccer was really cooperative. Um, and the main thing wasn't even the Lagia, as some have been reporting, but rather the match on the 18th is a big match against Tigres. And they were concerned that about playing, that he'd missed essentially a match for the camp and then have a turnaround where he played the 14th, flew home the 15th, and could be potentially very tired for a really important match on the 18th. Uh, and it just seemed like a pretty tall thing to ask a club that's about to start the playoffs that still has essential matches left. Um, and so I think smartly, U.S. soccer did not alienate A, his club, and B, uh, the player, um, because he is sort of a talismanic figure for them. Uh, I know Matthew Doyle compares him to Ozzy Alonso, um, which, you know, it's high praise. Uh, I think he's almost a little more number eight than that. <laughs> but e- either way, he'll be involved. I-, I don't think his commitment to the United States is is in question. And I think if it was, he would have gone to Chivas and not to Monterey, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, he would be precluded for all intents and purposes from playing for the U.S. So, uh, uh, explain, um, and maybe maybe I should do this, but the, a lot of our listeners may not realize when it comes to friendlies like this, there are club considerations. So the 21 you see, maybe uh, Dave Sarakin had a 23. Jonathan Gonzalez was on that list, and maybe uh, Jeff Cameron, who, who's injured uh, now. Yeah, was or on Bobby that list. Wood. Yeah, or Bobby Wood, right, who had to withdraw. And there are club considerations. I think I explained this in – um, in our, one of our recent podcasts about Jonathan Spector and how Bob Bradley had to play a game of trading uh, friendlies and, and, commit, and call-ups with West Ham because at the time West Ham was in a relegation fight and Spector, right. they were in a scrap every match and Spector was starting and playing 90 in every match at that time. And so there were, if it was a, it was a friendly or even a sub-hex qualifier which didn't mean which was going to be uh, against Barbados or somebody like that. Bradley would not call him in, so that the club would then release him when he needed to be released. Which were right. for friendlies before major qualifiers, friendlies before the Confederations Cup, things like that. Um, so that there is a trade-off that goes on there. Um, What's your take on? Let's let me go through a couple of the players who have been called in, and then we'll talk about some of the guys who may not have been called in. What is your take? You talked about Tyler Adams. Your feeling about uh, Kellen Acosta, who we've seen uh, get a, a number of looks on this national team and not stand out maybe the way a lot of people had hoped, and uh, Lyndon Gooch, who's hit a bit of a rough patch at a, at a club that's just spiraling out of control at Sunderland. Yeah, so let me start with um, Gooch because I think I, I think you've kind of identified. I mean, just Sunderland has been such a, a vortex of bad things for American players, and <laughs> just a vortex of bad things for most people, really, right? right? Unless, unless you're Jermaine Defoe, but um, <laughs> I think uh, you know, I think I think Gooch is a guy that they might want to evaluate for a position change internationally. Like it seems to me like. You know, I know the U.S. has kind of a dearth of wide options, and you have Kenny Saif in and, and things of that nature that that uh, they can look at moving forward, and Kellen Rowe is another player that can play out wide. Uh, I guess they can also look at it fullback as does Tyler Adams, but Gooch seems to me to be a guy who could play fullback internationally. Um, 
just because he's really good at tracking back and, and he has a lot of, there's a lot of industry to him and he's yeah. a pretty good crosser of the ball. He's a very good crosser not, of the ball. He's not really somebody that beats people one on one or in cuts with any like real danger, right? So, at least from what I've watched him, I mean, I, I try to avoid watching Sunderland. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've watched but, a fair amount of Sunderland and I think my. My assessment of Gooch would be, this is an American football analogy, but he's like that wide receiver. He's like TJ Cleveland. I, you know, he just, uh, um, you know, he, he's a guy who runs uh, vertical routes. And, right. and he's very, he's so fast. He's so quick. Um, but he's not, um, he, he's not, he doesn't have the, the, the skill to kind of, to, 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 do, to cut in the way Arian Robin does. I mean, that's a, obviously a, a, big, a pretty big, uh, big name, big example, but he doesn't have the traditional traits of a winger, and he's a guy that I think might uh, get lost uh, if you play him in central midfield. Now, you could play him as a, as a number 10 or as an attacking midfield, but we, we've got our guy there uh, for the next uh, 15 years. So, unfortunately for Gucci, he, he, the other option would be to play him where Pulisic is, and there's only one winner in that race. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at him and I think, yeah, right. I mean, I think, I think right back might work. Right back might work, and maybe it helps his career. Right? I mean, like he's still young enough where that sort of position change would be of value. But I think he does certainly add something to the U.S. Um, from a depth perspective, and and just from a you know, he's a good technical player. So. Yeah. Um, Particularly as a crosser of the ball, as he sort of fades away from Ramsey's uh, I think that there's there's some value there. Actually, the I point, will I will say this: he is a basically a quicker version of Graham Zusi. He is right, yeah. Which is why he's playing in England, and he's uh, he, he's at a club uh, which was in the Premier League last year, and he got games before he got hurt. Was that he is uh, he's got the technical skill of a Zusi, but he's got the quickness, the pace, which. Uh, would stop Zussi from playing in Europe. Yeah, no, I think that's a good that's a good point. Um, then the other player you mentioned was Acosta. Oh, okay. I, yeah, um, John Levy, uh, co-founder of Gangster Coming, writes a lot of the what to watch for from the opponent portions of the previews. Um, John thinks this is a big camp for Kellen, and I agree. I. I you know, it seems so weird to say that any camp a month after you had this colossal World Cup failure is a big camp. But for him, it is, right? His stock in Europe was really high after Azteca. And then the Gold Cup was supposed to be his moment, and it wasn't. Right. No, it wasn't at and all. Then, and then he, he kind of spirals alongside with Dallas. They spiral out of control, and, and he has his kind of tilt with Oscar Pereja um, and then he doesn't really play well for the United States in the autumn he did other than Pulisic and Bradley uh, <laughs> and you know and Yedlin sorry didn't mean to leave out DeAndre and uh, yeah I just think it's important They're look they'll be there for a week you know how this works. Some of the listeners might not. This is a really good chance for European scouts to look at American players. That's the biggest value of this camp. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. Um, let's look at some other guys uh, that, that people are talking about. Uh, 
we've, we've talked about Josh Sargent. That's very exciting. It's the first time I remember a guy getting called in directly from a youth club. Obviously, we know he's going to sign with Werder Bremen uh, when he turns 18 but in February, but he is uh, as of now still at, at uh, St. Louis Scott Gallagher. The, right, the first youth non-professional club. since Jordan Morris, and before Morris, it had been a while. Yeah. Um, in, but what is your take on Juan Agadello? I would think that he fits into that same category as Kellen Acosta. This is a big camp. Maybe a last chance. Yeah, it's got to be. And, and, you know, he's had so many last chances and just, I mean, the technical skill has always been there, right? And it's just, I don't know, what is it? What 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 has been the biggest problem with him beyond the obvious, which is consistency? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure what it is. I'm not sure if it's that he doesn't, he lacks understanding of the game or, you know, I hate to make that sort of criticism because it's not particularly fair, but. But something has held him back, um, and he can never seem to put together more than two to three months of really quality football. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't have called him in. Quite honestly, I thought that this was a great time to call in Haji Wright. Um, I kind of thought that was a no-brainer, to be honest. Um, especially because Haji's already in Europe, and because he's getting games at Saint Hassan, I made a seemed like a really obvious decision for me, but. Um, Juan Agudelo, it is. I mean, yeah. Any, so thoughts, let's, let's talk on, about any thoughts on what's what's the problem with Agudelo? I he's about to turn twenty five this month, so I <laughs> we got excited about him in the same window in two thousand ten when he scored against uh, South Africa. South Africa. And it seems right. it seems like uh, that was seven years ago. That seems like it was fifteen years ago when you're talking about this specific player. Uh, the other people who were on that squad, a guy like Mix Discroots, the guy who set him up in that game, that was his first cap as well. He's he's way out of the picture. Uh, and uh, Ali Bedoya's, I think. Right, that was Ali Bedoya's. Uh, I think Bedoya had been called up before, but that was the first, you know, really serious. We're integrating him into the first team by Bob right, uh, right. match, and then that was the game. Galia Busamande got called into, and you know, he, he obviously we saw him with the strikers here in South Florida last year, but he's way, way, way off the radar. Um, so there are a couple guys that, that I wanted to address. You, you just mentioned one, Haji Wright. Uh, Kenny Saif is another. Anton, Anthony Robinson uh, from Bolton, who's been getting games, playing very well is another. Yeah. Um, a, guy, a guy that we actually need to cap in a, in a competitive match because he's eligible to play for um, – He's also eligible to play for England. So those guys and, and whoever, who else? Uh, Matthew Olasande would have been the only Oh, yeah, guy. yeah. That's another guy in England. Um, you know, and I think Olasande is a great example of of someone you call instead of Jorge Villafania, right? Right, yeah. But you're going to play Portugal, and Olasande is only playing for the Manchester United Reserves. So you're not really going to roll him out there on the field against Portugal, and maybe that's why Sarah should called him Vivian because at least he can put him out there on the field and he does in fact have to play a game. Um, but uh, I still might not have done that <laughs> quite honestly. I might have just played Kellen Rowe at left back. Yeah, you could play Kellen Rowe there. You can always play Timmy Ream there. Well, that's, uh, that's a tough <laughs> sure. one. Sure. But you could. It's might one not match. go well against Portugal, but you could. Yeah, I mean, no one's expecting to win this match and I, 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 I'm I'm thinking you have a situation already where uh, you probably are only going to play Yedling for 45 minutes, right? Um, probably with instructions from Rafa Benitez, and that might be the case with some of these other players. Uh, yeah. It might be the case with Weston McKinney, although 
Uh, who knows? Uh, maybe it's not because it's, it's one friendly. If you were playing two friendlies over the course of this international break, like most countries are, uh, then there probably would be specific in- instructions for managers. So uh, how about Saif? That's another guy that could have played in that role. Yeah, I mean, just just got back on the field. I, I understand that one a little bit more. Um, you know, it, that's a really unfortunate situation for the U.S. because I thought that's a position that the U.S. needed some help at. Um, I think that's why Bruce Arena brought him in immediately because he knew he needed some help and he thought, I can get a really good evaluation of him here at the Gold Cup. Right, and then he got hurt. And obviously he gets hurt immediately. He has a hernia surgery. It's supposed to be, I mean, a hernia surgery is, is a mindless procedure most of the time, but he has complications from it and doesn't get back on the field till a week and a half ago. So I think, um, I think that's understandable. Like, let him get reintegrated with his club. I, I don't know, because I, that's one of the clubs I didn't reach out to as I was scrambling in the last couple of days trying to figure out who was going to be on the roster. And of course, I was late. But uh, <laughs> I didn't call them, and, and I should have. Um, one club I did call was Bruges. And, you know, it was interesting because it, they, they're happy that Ethan Horvath has his camp. They feel like... He needs games, and he maybe needed to step away to get his confidence back. He just yeah. lost his starting position. Um, they're in first, and it's not even close how in first they are. I mean, they're clearly the best team in that country, but um, but it says something when you're that far in first and you're you bench your goalkeeper, right? Like that means that there are actually some serious issues. Yeah, that, that, that's that's a very bad sign, actually. That's the way right. I and, and this is the first rough patch that Horvath has had in Europe. So, um, how he responds to that, I think, is super important, especially with with uh, with Bill Hamid now moving over to Denmark, and you have Jesse Gonzalez in this camp. So, really, this is the most interesting, probably because it's new faces goalkeeping battle that we've had in the U.S. in years, right? Because we've just kind of always known who the goalkeeper was going to be. So it starts now. I'm sure it will carry over into January and into the the spring friendlies. I still say that Horvath is the prohibitive favorite for me. Um, But maybe I'd remove the word prohibitive now, given what's going on at his club. But it was interesting. Like, they, you know, the assistant I talked to said, this will be good for him just to get away. What if Hamid goes into the Mithilan team and claims that starting job and uh, has a good run? I, I think he's probably then the prohibitive favorite. Yeah, no, I, you know what? I would agree with you. Like, I mean, and there's things about Bill's game that that concern all of us, right? I mean, he's not particularly strong in his distribution, and for somebody as 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 big and imposing. Now, with as gregarious a personality as he has, it's shocking that he's not better at commanding his area. Um, but that's why he had to get out of MLS, and I credit him for, for embracing that challenge and doing it. I, you know, I credit Ben Olsen for talking to him about it and encouraging him to, to do it. And, uh, and you know, hopefully that happens. Because I think that if you just want the shot stopper, he's the best one. He's yeah. better than Horvath, right? But but Horvath reminds me a lot of Guzan, actually. And, and people might shudder at that comparison, and like you should. Guzan's a really good goalkeeper. Um, he's just, he's not that Fredo Keller, 
powered level, right? And I think that Hamid has that in him, don't you? Yeah, I do. I think he's he's a really good shot stopper. I don't know that he that he judges crosses as well as I'd like to see, and I'm not sure his his distribution, which we've seen is a big part yeah. of uh, was a big part of Tim Howard's game, uh, is quite up to snuff. Um, one other name for you, Perry Kitchen. Uh, do you think maybe he's a player who's already established himself as a guy that's going to be part of the next four years, and therefore we didn't need to take a look at him? Uh, where is he in this camp? Who's that? I'm sorry. Perry Kitchen. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think he's going he's gonna to play a role. Um, you know, there's a couple guys that didn't get into this camp, and you almost wonder if they had ushered out the whole arena staff as they should have, if this roster looks a lot different. I, I have no issue with Emerson Hyman's omission because if you can't get matches for that Bournemouth team... You're just not up the, up the level. I'm no, sorry. he's he's uh, not looked particularly good in the League Cup matches he's played in. No, it's, it's time to come home to MLS, yeah. Emerson. Yeah, unfortunately, um, that's reality. You know, and if he doesn't, if he doesn't, that's fine. But you know, okay, so go to Scotland, maybe the Rangers will sign, and then at least you get those sorts of matches. But I, I you know, he's not a Premier League player. And if he's not a Premier League midfielder for a team battling relegation, I mean, and he's not one to where he's not even getting League Cup matches. So right, right. So, so the direct comparison is with Gooch last season. Uh, Sunderland <laughs> got relegated. Gooch, before he got injured, um, was playing regularly, whether he was Correct. starting or coming off the bench. And then he had a, right. a, an injury that kept him out until the final uh, yeah. weeks of the season, and they'd already been relegated. But that's a direct comparison. Uh, and Heinemann's not able to get on the field. And that's right, the and I mean, Kitchen is, is uh, above him for me, too. Yeah, right. That's a vice captain So at his club, right? So yeah. anybody that can be a captain at a, at a club that contends to play in the Champions League in Europe... And, you know, I don't belittle – some people belittle the Champions League teams from other countries. I really don't, which is why, you know, like, Sasha Kleschen is one of the most decorated players in the history of, of the U.S. Federation in the sense that yeah. he's played so many Champions League matches and he has so many caps. And it's, it's just it's crazy that, you know, he'll never get to play at a World Cup because of – usually because of form issues – um, but, exactly the wrong time or, or a change in right. I think the Charlie Davies injury actually affected his, the, the possibility of playing him because you needed sure. uh, for, for 2010 uh, even though a completely different position but right he was yep. a guy that uh, played uh, he played 34 games if I remember the number correctly it just sticks out because it, it, it just for an American 34 games in Champions League <laughs> Which is, it's a crazy number when you think about how we get excited about one guy getting on the field uh, for any random uh, American team, in, in cha- for any random big big club in, in Champions League or in Europe. And this is why we do the show with Cardick, everyone, because he, he, he articulates these points much better than I do, which is that we get so excited that Christian Pulisic starts a Champions League match. Correct. Well, Sasha Christian started like 30 of them. Like, just because it was for Anderlecht doesn't mean that, like, that's not an accomplishment. So that's kind of why I think Perry Kitchen is a guy who, who will be around. I mean, this is a Europa League player. Um, and, you know, you, the problem that Perry's going to have, honestly, is just depth and what's coming in, especially if Gonzalez gets integrated. I'm just not sure 
where they're playing, although he could play fullback, and the U.S. needs fullbacks. Um, so, so we'll see. I wanted to ask you about the forwards, because that not just the Haji Wright decision, but the CJ Sapone and, and, um, you know, I guess I get, I guess I get Don Dwyer, but I thought that CJ was a guy that they should have called in this summer. Yeah. And didn't. And now they're like obvious players. Um, we talked about them on Twitter. I think Christian Ramirez and Tafa Pico who are just in better form. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it just struck me as a really odd, Kind of belated call. Yeah, and and, and I think uh, the, obviously Sapong stands out as a belated call and a guy who wasn't in great form. Pickall was in better form for uh, Fafa was in better form for Philly, and then the Agadello thing again. I, I think it just must be a last chance, a last look uh, at him. And, right. Uh, assuming the U.S. is going to play with two strikers, he might uh, start this game. I, I, we're not sure. Uh, if Josh Sargent's even going to get a run out, maybe this is about familiarizing him with the with the setup and, and with who his teammates are going to be. Uh, yeah, I think he'll get twenty minutes for okay. how good he was in that World Cup. But but I hear you. Yeah, and, and so we we're going to see Agadello in this game. We're probably going to see Sapong, and it's um it, it, it's a really interesting one. I mean, I I, I could have uh, seen. Let's go ahead and, and, and uh, just take three forwards, not take Sapong or not take Agadello, and then you add a Perry Kitchen to the roster, or you add a Kenny right. Saif, even though he's coming off an injury, uh, because they f- they fill a need in the pool. And uh, and I think Arena, you're, you're right. I mean, we've done a lot of bashing of Arena over the last month, but I think he knew he had a need there, and that's why he called Saif in before the Gold Cup as soon as he got his, uh, his one-time switch from Israel. And um, unfortunately, he got injured. Yeah. He, he might have been the guy starting the qualifier in TNT otherwise. He, he very well could have been. Um, a couple of players that I wanted to, to kind of get into um, a little bit. I know that Justin Glad is maybe the MLS omission that bothered me the most. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, I just don't understand, especially given the scouts' presence at these camps. Um, and that, and you know that's, that that kind of goes for Danilo Acosta too, but but more for more for Glad for me. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't know. You you would be better to speak to why Palmer Brown isn't in the camp, probably. Yeah, that that's another connection to Manchester City. But I, I I'm I'm surprised that uh, that Glad is not here, and it quite honestly it doesn't really make much sense. No, I, I don't think the, the Justin Glad admission makes much sense. The Palmer Brown one doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I thought maybe the camp would be good for him to maintain fitness before uh, he starts playing in January. He, I, I'm, I've been told he's probably going to be sent on loan to uh, Nack Breda, which is the former club of Ernie Stewart in, uh, in, in Holland. That's what my Man City sources are telling me. So he's going to, he's going to be playing uh, in, on the European continent. Uh, and right now he has no other way of keeping fit. Uh, the other one was Walker Zimmerman, quite frankly. I thought maybe he deserves a look. I'm not another, yeah, another shot. Yeah, just one more look uh, for him. And we could still have the Matt Hedges conversation. I mean, I, I don't think the sample size was was large enough on him to write him off, but his age is working against him. Whereas a guy like he has Glad so much is range, Cardick. Right. I mean, it's crazy, right? Like, and so he's a guy that. That's interesting to me because he's a guy I think that is is done, and 
it's all the team's fault for not qualifying. Because he's a guy you look really hard at when you're thinking about your 23-man roster. Yes. Just because as an – and this is – he's one of the few guys – I remember I, I sent a couple tweets. It was probably last year during the MLS playoffs, and I was, I was just like, wow, that's an international center back. And everybody was like, ah, I don't know. And I was like, he might be better internationally than, than in MLS because he's just so rangy. Well, that, that's my feeling about Eric Palmer Brown, actually, since we just mentioned him. I think he's going to end up being a better international, and he's been better at the U20 level than he was in MLS. I think he's going to be better as an international for the full national team than he will be as a club player because he's rangy, because he can play the ball, because he also uh, has a certain vocal leadership skill that is needed at the international level. That, that uh, you know, it's, and it's funny. I mean, we're talking, I guess we're now in love with that kind of center back. Uh, Beasler, uh, Hedges, Palmer Brown, Glad. They all have a, a kind of similar playing style. Yeah, no, I mean, I know it's true. Um, and, and, you know, to some extent, John Brooks, although he has all the other stuff. Right. Now, I, I guess this might be the place to wrap up. If John Brooks doesn't get injured, the U.S. is probably, is almost certainly in the World Cup. So um, it's small margins, but it's that sort of thing, building depth so that next – Brooks and squad rotations, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've heard a number of people say that today, basically. Well, you know, if, if Brooks, Brooks gets fit now, gosh, if he'd been fit a month ago, we wouldn't be having any of these conversations. It's probably sure. true, mean, right? He missed, he, missed, he missed both sets, you know. It's no coincidence we had four points in four, four games, four qualifiers after yeah. Brooks got injured. They, they, it's, you know, important, it, it's important to remember he missed both sets. Yeah. It's also important to remember while talking about the what if on John Brooks that Bruce Arena didn't rotate his team. Right. And that's why I parked on the Doya thing today. Because we can close by just, you know, admitting our geographic bias. Um, right. Which, but, which also is reflected in my analysis of Dom. I mean, yeah, no, of and, and, and of Dax McCarty, who's not in the, who probably won't be called up again. Uh, but no, you know, all sad. these Florida players. And, Look, Ali's going to get to wear the armband against Portugal, and he deserves it. And anyone thinks that he doesn't, you can at me on Twitter, at N.W. Blackman. You can at Cardick on Twitter, uh, KKFLA737. I mean, hit us up, because if you saw what I saw in Cuba on the U.S. bench, where it was literally Brad Guzan and Ali Bedoya, that seemed emotionally invested. And Jeff Cameron, too, but in that different way, in that, like, sulky, brooding, you know, language I'm not going to use on the podcast way. Um, but you, Bedoya, like, but Bedoya's going to manage, I think, if he wants. <laughs> but he's calling switches. Um, you know, he's pointing out open people. He's pointing out open space. You know, he he's, like, dying with every play. And it was... It was really sad um, that that he wasn't given the opportunity to start that game. And, you know, maybe this is sort of Saracen's way of saying, look, we get it. But everybody, coaches, players, everybody respects him. Um, and, you know, they're going to need one, two to three to f- maybe even as many as four veterans around 
this team in the next couple of years, people are going to hate that one of them is going to be Michael Bradley, but one of them is going to be Michael Bradley. I think another one's going to be Ali Bedoya, and then you kind of go from there. Yeah, and, and based on um, this this call up, this squad, uh, Danny Williams, who's a guy who's been admitted from major yeah. tournaments, it looks like he's probably going to be one of them because, at least in Sarakin's assessment, now of course he's probably not going to be on the staff. Um, <laughs> But in his assessment, you know, you've got a guy who's playing regularly in the Premier League. You know, you gotta, you got to call him in. And um, e- even at his age, that, that would be interesting if you got another full cycle out of Williams. It's possible. Yeah, he's really, when, you know, he's a very fit player. Um, you, know, I, you know, he's the kind of guy that could stick around. Um, you know, he'd be 34 in Cutter. It's pretty old. Yeah. Um, not as well as Reed would be. That's 35, right? So. Right. I mean, but Jermaine Jones, um, Jermaine Jones was in the World Cup at what, 32, 33? Yeah. We forgot Demarcus Beasley. He'll obviously be in everybody's plans for coverage. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, yeah, so um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be back with you soon. Uh, we're going to be talking USSF election, and obviously we'll, we'll uh, wrap up this international yeah. break. Uh, after the, the match in Portugal, which is on Tuesday, uh, 3.45 p.m. Eastern on FS1 uh, on Tuesday. And we're going to get, real quick, we're going to get uh, predictions on um, the CONCACAF playoff. So we'll start with uh, Karik. Do you think that the Cacarachos will be headed to Russia or will it be the Ruse? Wow. Um I, I I just brooded over this. I can't remember if it was Sunday night or last night. Well, Sunday night was the, the playoff game, so it must have been last night. I was just staring at, at, at Pinto's selection, thinking this team is not good enough uh, to, 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 to win over these two legs. But I'm not going to bet against Pinto. I'm not going to bet against CONCACAF. We're, we're, we're homers here. Uh, I'm, gonna, um, I'm pulling for Honduras, and I'm going to say Honduras is going to get through this. I think that much to the chagrin of the Houston Dynamo, <laughs> Albert Feliz and uh, Roma Kioso are the difference um, and, and so yeah I think Honduras will win I think I think they get two goals in the home leg to erase the one goal deficit they'll have and you think Elise um, is, gets one of those goals you know um, I, but... I think Elise gets one of those goals and I'm going to say Kyoto gets an assist on one of those goals and while that's happening, Seattle waltzes into the MLS Cup. Well, and, um, and keep in mind <laughs> that uh, uh, Carlo Costi, former Houston Dynamo player, the Houston has got this great connection to Honduras, three Dynamo players on this squad, and uh, obviously Costi, a former Dynamo player, he has been called in. I think, I'm not sure he's around next summer. He's there to try and get them through this these two legs, and uh, they might turn the page on him. After yeah, that. no, I think I think Pinto would like to turn the page, although Closely is one of those guys that he just... The thing about Pinto is that he really values, like, at his core, he's big on, you know, who's your leader? Who's the guy in the locker room that everybody will listen to? And I think it's one of the reasons that him and Celso Borges had such a good rapport. Um... It's because Brian Ruiz was one of those guys who gets gets rattled when things aren't going right. And Celso Borges is not that guy. Coastly is so the the kind of rock. Like, he's seen everything. 
Yeah, so, uh, Carlos Pavone yeah. was a similar guy previously for uh, Honduras that got, got that played to a very, very advanced age with the national team. And, right, that's Maynard Figueroa is, is in the team. Yeah, and, so Maynard Figueroa is in this team. Roger Espinosa is not. Yeah. Uh, Maynard <laughs> is, is an interesting one because he's a guy that's seen everything when you know, his last run out. Obviously, MLS is a little different than the Premier League. His last run out in the Premier League a few years ago, he looked just so off the pace. But Terrible. Right. In, in CONCACAF, he's been um, – he's still solid. So, yeah, I think, I think uh, maybe we're, this is a little bit of homerism, but I think we're both thinking Honduras is going to get through this. And uh, uh, Australia has a lot of question marks, even if they qualify, what they're going to do with their coach and with their squad. Um, this has been a very, very – Australia has had the same experience in disqualifying campaign. We'll just close on this because I think the parallel is incredible with us. Um, same kind of uh, experience we had in qualifying, the same sort of yeah, arrogance they entered qualifying yeah. with, the same sort of entitlement, and they've been humbled, and they, um, the only reason they're even in the playoff now is they have a guy named Timmy Cahill, who at 37 still can produce magic like he has throughout his career, but they, Australia has some very, very serious soul-searching like we're going through now, it probably starts for them a week from now. Yeah, no, it's interesting because Pinto kind of made the parallel and said, you know, look, look, they don't have a dynamo like Pulisic. He's like, right. but they do have a Clint. He said, but they do have a Clint Dempsey. Yes. And, and um, it was, you know, yeah, Pinto's so smart. I think that we're, we're basically giving away our homer to yeah. On, on that, but yeah, I mean, you basically, you know, and that's there. Therein lies the difference, right? Like the U.S. is not in the playoff because of a lot of things, but Clint Dempsey hit a post, Tim Cahill didn't. So, right, and I think the other thing, obviously, that Aaron <laughs> is in the is in the prime of his career, whereas the U.S. has guys who are right. either at the back end or at the front end of their careers. And yep. uh, Moy is a guy that could be a difference maker for Australia, but I, I'm going to go with uh, Honduras. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, and I really like Elise. I think he's not long for MLS. I think he could actually be maybe one of the best Honduran players ever. Yeah, the, the Timbers wish he hadn't been this long for MLS. <laughs> we can leave it at that. It's a good place to close out the show to our friends and family. All right, uh, thanks everybody. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Wherever you go, however you go, for energy on the go, it's got to be 5-Hour Energy. It works fast, it works long, it tastes good, and with zero sugar and four calories, there's nothing holding you back. Fits your pocket, fits your backpack, fits your on-the-go life, whether you're going to work, going on vacation, or just going out with friends. 5-Hour Energy. Energy on the go. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com.